different means. Let's turn to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, beginning with verse 14. Romans 9, 14. God said here, What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Now you, you ask the average person in any church you want to survey, and they'll say John 3.16 means that God died for everybody. John 3.16 doesn't teach that. You know why it doesn't teach that? He didn't die for everybody. But he said here, when we look at the scriptures, he said exactly what we need to understand. You know, verse 15, For he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. We like certain people more than we do others. Now the Bible says that we need to love everybody. But there's three words for love. And it takes some study in the word of God for us to know exactly what he's talking about. But he he said here in verse 16, So then it is not of him that willeth. Now, bring it in our language, it is not of him who wants to be saved alone. Nor him that runneth, but God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even... For this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will, and have mercy whom he will harden. I hope you understand that scripture. If you understand, it's because God blessed you to give you understanding. You can build up an emotion. But God chose me, according to the book of Ephesians, second chapter, that he chose me in Christ before he created this world. So you just take those two scriptures together and what do we find out? only thing that we did when God saved us was accept it. We repented because he granted us repentance. We believed because he worked on our heart. Salvation is of the Lord. Now, what a sovereign God can do, the answer, anything he wants to do. That is simple. That's plain. Child can understand that. I remember my kids one time, they 
wanted to do something, and I said, you can't do it. Not now. I believe it was Kim, I'm not sure, but she looked at me and she said, Daddy, you do anything you want to. I said, in your world, I do. But in the spiritual world, God controls what I do. So you either control your life or God controls your life. If you control it, you're on your own. If you let God control it, yes, I'm a motivational, I've wasted, spent, whatever you want to say, a lot of money listening to motivational speakers. Wouldn't, didn't regret a penny of it. If they were still available now, I would go see them again. People that believe and know and their lifestyle proves you let God choose what's important to you and he'll bless you. He'll heal you. I know what Andrew's talking about. I ain't supposed to be here. But you know, nobody's in control of my life but Jesus. And when you let the Lord guide you, when you need an operation that not everybody can do, God will lead you to that place. He'll lead you to people that will be there for you instead of using you. But he can save the unsaved. You know what that statement means? You know people that have run their life between illicit sex, drinking, drugs. They have got their body in a bad shape, their mind is in a bad shape. Why did they do that? They thought they were in charge of their life. Don't grow to be old before you realize you can't even walk without him holding your hand. He's the one in in charge. He can save the unsaved, according to Luke 19.10. I mean, you know, uh, you have heard people say, I've heard people say, you know, don't worry about him. He's he's too far gone. One of the most silliest statements a human being can make. He may be too far or she may be too far to do anything left up to himself. But God, you know what he did when he saved me? He took a nobody. He made a somebody out of it. And I didn't do anything but furnish the sinner. What do I mean by that statement? I became where I wanted to be obedient to him. Because obedience to God brings blessings. Obedience to God is when he heals a body that the doctor says, no. God in control of the next breath you take. And besides that, he knows how many breaths you got left. 
God said in the book of, of Luke, Luke 19, notice a minute here, Luke 19 and verse 10. God said, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was what? Lost. That which was lost. God didn't come in this world to grow up and become a savior of good men. He makes reference to that. God came here in the flesh, voluntarily gave his life to die for sinners. We need to understand that. We hear that old silly stuff talking sometimes when people got a son, a daughter, or whatever, a friend. Well, you know, he's too far gone. Is he still living? Is his mind still working? He's not too far gone. Now, God said in Ephesians, book of Ephesians, chapter 2, notice here, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. God said that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. It's a scary. You think about what's going over here. Across the ocean, 1,500 people, innocent. But God, but God said, you know, here in Ephesians, that at that time you were without Christ. When did Christ come to you? He may have let something happen to you so that you would think different. That's why we always go to the hospital. We go wherever that person is needed and we try to tell them about Jesus Christ and a lot of times they get spiritual because they don't want to die. But as soon as they think, hey, I've whipped this, <laughs> you know, it takes more than that Keep me down. No. Everybody in this room walked in because God gave you power. You go home tonight, whatever time you go to bed, God puts you to sleep. That pill didn't do it. Now, don't you think you need certain medicines? What sort? And that medicine will only work if God says work. See, either you believe in a sovereign God or you don't. Sovereign means that God does what he wants to, when he wants to, the way he wants to, and he asks nobody. But that doesn't take our responsibility. Our responsibility is when someone, you know, we've read the, you know, I'm concerned about everybody that has COVID. 
But if I'm going to be honest with you, if my whole family took COVID, I'd be more concerned for them. You say, that ain't right. No, that's human. That's fleshly. And above all what a lot of people think, we're still in the flesh, and this flesh is my enemy. You know, we, we just look at certain scriptures, but we said read, read the Bible right through, and, and you know, Romans, Romans is a beautiful book. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, notice what God says. He says, but God commanded his love toward us. Have you got it? But God commanded his love toward us when? In that while we were sinners. It's hard for me to wrap it around my little brain. When I was out there doing everything that I knew I shouldn't have been doing, God still loved me. But he will do whatever is necessary, and he did, to get my attention. It only took 41 days in Central Baptist Hospital. I began to think different. Are you following me? See, we don't appreciate what we got until we lose it. God said, but God commanded his love, Romans 5, 8, toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Every boy, girl, man, and woman that is saved tonight, God died for them while they were still sinners. What does that mean? That means that they didn't do anything that caused that. God saved me because he wanted to. But the man's side is that God worked on my physical body to make me realize I, I can't go on the way I've been going. You know, I probably walked today more than I've walked in a, a long time. So I was over here, so I just, I don't know how many times I've wrapped around the parking lot all the way up to the road and back. When my wife died, I had to take two hands to work this little clip. Just simple little clip. Been over a year. I just got about a month ago, two months ago, that I could press this with one hand. That's no big thing. Not until it happens to you. It's no big thing. We take so much for granted. It's 
still in the book of Romans. Let's turn over to chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9 and verse 25. God said, As he saith also in O.C., I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not my beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people there, shall they be called the children of the living God. See, when I was saved 50-some years ago, I became a child of God. I belong to him now. You know, I don't make stands because I want to be different. But if you're saved, you are different. Don't have to try to. You're different. And if you're the same as you was when you professed to be lost, you know, it's like going down to take baptism and it's just a little bit of your hand it didn't take. You have to do it again. But you're really not doing it again because you didn't do it the first time because you didn't go all the way under. You wasn't saved the first time because you served the Lord when things were good and then you served yourself when you wanted to. I'd like to make people happy, but that's, that's just not the way it is. You can't have a part-time Savior. Either he's your full-time Savior or he's not your Savior at all. But he's so loving that when I mess up and I still mess up, he always takes me back. But each time, listen to this, each time I go crawling back to him, not physically, but mentally, saying, Lord, it's me again? Boy, that's hard on my body. You know? You ever talk, been caught with your hand in the tricky jar? Man, that's hard to say. <laughs> Mom, it was me, but Bobby made me do it. You always want to blame somebody. But as you grow in grace and number, God still loves you as much as he ever did. But you're losing out on blessings because blessings come with faithfulness. Thirdly, he can have mercy on the vessels of wrath. I mean, Matthew 9, 10 13 talks about, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I have people not every day, because I don't get the chance to talk to people every day, but I talk to a lot of people during the week, and most of them will say, I'm doing my best, preacher. Well, I hate to tell them, but their very best won't get them to heaven. You're going to go to heaven because you've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And because you've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, you want to do better. 
I've walked up a lot of mornings knowing that I really wasn't grateful because I didn't sleep all night. There are people that can't hardly sleep at all. They got to take medicine on top of medicine just to sleep. I've been blessed. I mean, at 326 Adlerberry Drive, when I get ready for bed, it's a, you know, it's a, who, who went out first, the light or me? Because I believe when you go to bed, you go to bed sleep. And God has blessed me that way. Not everybody has that blessing. It's a blessing. And I like to brag on God. Never do I brag on myself, but I'll brag on God any day of the week. He's my Lord and He's my Savior. You know, when we look at the book of Ephesians, which we looked at it a couple times here tonight, but let's go back in Ephesians just a couple more times and, and we, we see here what God does. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Now notice here, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 2. Well, we'll just start with verse 1. Ephesians 2, 1. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Quickened, made alive. He quickened you. Now, he says, Where in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation, our way of life, See, the talk we talk is our way of life. People want to brag on how much they do and how much they did or how this and that. You know. But that's not what God wants us to do. We see in verse 4, But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, can you imagine that? You're being lost, dead in sins, and God still loved you. Have quickened us to gather with Christ. By grace are ye saved. And have raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, I just, I just love the first, first, especially the first three chapters of Ephesians. It tells me that God wrote my name in the book of life before he put this world into existence. He's always loved me. But because he loves me, Hebrews tells us he's chastened those he loves. See, that's why the parents who love their children 
do a little disciplinary action on them from time to time. The church practiced discipline from time to time because the church loves them. You know, I had a parent tell me trouble weeks ago. I've had four kids and I've never laid a hand on them. I said, well, you experienced a miracle, didn't you? But so, just for the record, I don't believe you. You chose not. But God said before the world began, I, this is what I'll do. And he does it. Calvin has loved to quote Romans chapter 9, verse 21. You know, bless her heart. You know, when we look at Romans chapter 9 and verse 21, it says, Have not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? I tell him you got two kids, one of them is a little angel, one of them is a little devil. Well, I don't know why that, but I do know that God said if he gave me two kids, one of them may bring honor to my name and one of them may bring shame to my name. And what does the parents do? I'm a bad parent. You didn't really have much to do with him. You just brought him into the world, good parents, and now God is yours. You leave me. That's what makes them good. Then they get to an age where they know more than everybody, and you think, can't have no control on them. In Jeremiah chapter 18 and verse 4, you know, it talks about, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again. He made another vessel that seemed good to the potter who made it. God made me. Seventy-some years ago. I had a lot of defects. Hole in my heart, rheumatic fever, stuttered. He'll never amount to nothing. Really? See, that's what God does best. He takes a nobody that the world has gave up on. And he uses him for his glory. Why? Just because he wanted to. He didn't save you because you were something special. He saved you despite the condition you were in. 
and he'll use you despite your past. We need to understand that God is the one in charge. We just got to be willing. All we've got to do, need to do is say, Lord, here am I. You tell me what to do. You lead me, I'll do it. I mean, in the book of, of Ephesians, I believe, uh, chapter 2, thought I wrote that down, but yeah, here, here it is. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse uh, Ephesians 2 verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus ye who sometimes were far off you were way out there. You know, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. See, so when everybody around you tells you you're too far gone, when the goody goodies tell you that your children are too far gone, not that they're still breathing. Not as they're still breathing. But you got to believe that. You know, how you get your children to do things they don't want to do. One of the ways, and they don't work on every child, but, you know. You encourage them. You tell them. God brought you in this world for a purpose. He wants to bless you. So if you're not satisfied with your life, it's, it's yours. It's not God. See, God called me out of the world for me to be a minister. But I could have went astray any time that I chose. Because I'm not a robot. Now, the reason I say that, kids are the worst. When they get in trouble, they'll start pointing fingers of who they're running with. Well, if you knew that when the trouble, you should have known that when it started. After all, I've been in church as long as you have, and I really don't know as much as you do. Oh, I know you're a preacher. Nah. I know some preachers that should be janitors. They don't know the Bible. All they do is read it. We study the Word of God. And we don't give up on that verse until God shows us. See, in Christ Jesus, he who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. It's, 
It's exactly so it's like you have a sore on your on your wrist, your hand. It festers up. You've got to get all that gook out of there. Put a little medicine on it, cover it up so it don't get germs, and in a few days, look what God has done. Everybody knows me, especially in this church, you know. I was an alcohol sales addict. I told I told Kim yesterday, I stopped taking alcohol sales because my doctor said it affects your heart. Well, it ain't affected much for 50 years, you know. I thought... If you take something and it works, it makes you feel good, it's probably good for you, right? Well, according to the medical, it's, it's not. But I'm going to tell you, if I went back and I took two oxalates in the morning, two at lunch, and two before I go to bed, that's what I did for years. Can you all remember when I couldn't talk for a long time without coughing? No, you don't, because it didn't happen. But the short term that make the long term bad. What am I saying? These people out here shooting stuff up their arm and drinking stuff and, and out there seeing how many diseases they can get without them dying. Because they're having fun now. But in hell there won't be no fun. And yes, I believe, I believe preachers, parents, people who love the kids ought to tell them that. Romans 12, 3 plainly talks about God have dealt to every man the measure of faith. What does that mean? That word measure. You know. When you're cooking, you don't want to put too much pepper or too much salt or too much this or too much that. You measure it out. Now, see, in our generation, we got to make sure it's just right. In mom's generation, you know why? Because she's done it a long time. That's why you've been saved for a long time. You ought to be an encouragement to a newborn. We're about ready to close. Calvinist doctrine teaches that the unsaved man has no ability to believe, yet unbelievers are commanded to choose. You ever figure that one out? See, I don't believe a dead man can choose anything. When I went up there to the wires here in the home, take care of my wife, you know. She didn't send me a note the day before. This is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want. But I, to the best of my ability, 
did everything for her that I thought she would want. And you don't know that if you've only been dating three, four months, a couple years. See, I, I spent 57 years with that woman. She knew me, I knew her. How much time do we spend with our Savior? As we close, if you die in your sins and go to hell, it will be your choice. Not God's. So, well, preacher, that don't make a lick sense. I know. Isn't it wonderful? God said, repent. The preacher said, now repentance is a change of mind, change of heart, and change of action. It's not walking down the aisle and being dipped in the water. You just took a little stroll and, and got a pretend bath, but you didn't you didn't get baptized. Because you gotta be saved first. And repentance is a change of mind, change of heart leads to change of action. You know, it works the same in marriage. Don't do that no more. Oh honey, I'm sorry, I'll never do that again. What happens? Next day, next week, he or she is out there doing it again because they didn't mean it. So when we look at lost people and we see what they do, look at the average Christian. That's what they do. Being saved is a 24-7 job. I don't like that term job. Well, God's word says that we are workers for the kingdom. Do you think God's going to hire a person that won't work? It's work. It's work to go out there and knock on doors. It's work to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and go to a hospital. It's work when somebody's dying and you drive 100 miles so you can be there with them. Why do you do that? Because God has called me. But God called you too, if you're saved. Life scripture, we'll just quote part of it in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Talks about God says, Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God gives no pleasure for anybody that dies and goes to hell. He died for the whosoever will. The question is, are you ready to trust him? Let us pray. Father, we thank you.